The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is The Property Show and I'm Mark Tan. There has been a lot of news coming out of the southern state of Johor and it's nothing to do with a football but all to do with special financing zones, high-speed rail and rapid transit systems. Property stocks with exposure to Johor have also gotten some active attention from investors on the KLCI. Today, we speak with Long Chi Wei, Senior Associate Director, Equity Research, Afin Huang Investment Bank, to help us make sense of what the excitement is all about. Good morning, Chi Wei. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. And let's start with the biggest news, shall we? Forest City, a development by China Group Country Garden, has been designated a Special Financing Zone, SFZ. What is a Special Financing Zone? Well, in terms of like a special financial zone, you create incentives, uh, you actually facilitate uh, the movement of people. For example, like creating multiple entry visas, fast track uh, entry for those working in Singapore, uh, as well as uh, I think they mentioned of a flat income tax rate of 15% for knowledge workers. But some of these are not new. It's already there for the likes of Madini. It's just that it's extended now to Forest City. So I think uh, that's what the government tried to uh, create in terms of incentives to attract the investments. Can we expect to see a similar effect and benefits taking place similar to Shenzhen's China Special Economic Zones and Hong Kong? I believe it will be difficult for Forest City to replicate what Shenzhen has gone through despite being designated as a special financial zone. Uh, because uh, firstly, I think the area has a low population. Hence, there's a lack of human capital to actually drive this uh, development. Uh, and secondly, it relies on a spillover from Singapore. And for it's very different in terms of like for Shenzhen and Hong Kong, where it's considered as one country, right? Uh, so Singapore, I believe, will be very protective of their talent as well as uh, for companies that want to move out of Singapore. And unlikely they will uh, encourage uh, these companies to actually move to the country gardens uh, for a city. And thirdly, I think it's also a chicken and egg thing. If uh, multinational companies in the financial sector, uh, they are unlikely to set up or even move uh, out of Singapore if uh, Forest City lacks the knowledge workers that they need uh, for uh, their operations over there. So uh, even with the new incentives, I believe it will be difficult to attract the investments until the population grows. So it's a more of a long-term measure in my view. But if we look at it in terms of the medium term, what sort of investments can we expect to see going into those islands? Uh, so the cost of reclamation is quite high uh, for the development. So they are likely focus more on attracting commercial or residential investments, uh, likely to focus on service industries. Possibly, I mean, they may try to attract like uh, business processing, outsourcing kind of industries, or maybe even call centers. Uh, but you would need uh, to attract English-speaking workers uh, in that for that kind of industries. So uh, unlikely they will actually build like low-rise industrial properties or data centers for that matter, because data centers also require high energy consumption and, and a supply for that matter. Uh, so unlikely you attract like logistics or warehouses, as most will actually prefer to set up uh, closer to the port, like Port Tanjung Pass, for example. Forest City is a project that's led by Country Garden China Group. And there's been a lot of news from China about their current financial position. Will it impact Forest City? 
given the problems they have in China? I believe uh, that would be some impact uh, on uh, Forest because at the end of the day, uh, you would require continuous investments from Country Garden. And uh, if they are facing problems at home, then it would be difficult to raise more money to develop this area. As it is, I think they are struggling to sort of like maintain uh, the, the uh, established uh, or built uh, areas in Forest City, as I understand it. Now, if we take Johor in the wider context, what can we do to encourage MNCs based in Singapore to choose or transfer their manufacturing facilities over to Johor? Yes, I think uh, in terms of uh, attracting MNCs, I think it will be uh, better. Uh, I think that... Incentives are already there. The cheap land is already there uh, for many years. It really needs uh, what we call a, a more collaboration between uh, Singapore and uh, Johor. Perhaps this uh, talks of a special economic zone offering in tax incentives, for example, or duty exemptions between Johor and Singapore can actually encourage more investments in set up, uh, setting up maybe industrial properties in Johor and uh, uh, capitalizing on some of the relatively cheaper land bank, as well as uh, ample industrial land that's available in Johor at this point. So in terms of like uh, skilled labor, uh, in terms of both local and foreign, they are also available at relatively low cost in Johor. But I think in terms of like uh, knowledge workers, it's still mostly in Singapore at this point. Uh, so there's also a relatively low cost for utilities and also availability of renewable energy supply in Johor that could be attractive. And with the Malaysian government lifting the export ban on RE as part of the whole Netta 1 and Netta 2 announcements, will we see more green tech investments going to Johor, with obviously Singapore as a natural target for exporting RE energy? I believe, I believe uh, likely there will be more uh, green tech investments, uh, including the development of uh, new solar PV facilities, uh, as it is the Kazana is driving the setting up of a one gigawatt hybrid solar plant, as well as a renewable energy industrial zone, and likely uh, it, it would be located in Johor. Uh, so it, it would attract a high energy consumption industries that also requires uh, renewable energy supply or REs for short. So there will be attraction uh, attractive for uh, new data centers that require renewable energy uh, 100 RE100. Uh, the likes of your uh, Amazon Web Services, for example, is moving towards RE100 for all data centers by 2025. And they have agreed to invest uh, 6 billion US dollars to set up data centers in three regions in Malaysia up to 2037. And I believe uh, likely there will be more data centers coming out in Johor for their southern region. So I believe that would actually attract more industries uh, in the in supply chain for green tech industries. And some of these could be local as well, uh, including uh, investments in semiconductor as well as electronic outsourcing industries to Johor. Now, another piece of news that came out from Johor is the Johor Bahru Singapore Rapid Transit System Link, which is expected to be completed by the end of 2026. But what more needs to be done to improve the transportation networks uh, between us and the causeway? Well, for this, I think uh, it would improve the connectivity to other areas in Iskandar, Malaysia, if they continue with the Iskandar bus rapid transit, as well as a potential LRT system in Johor Bahru area. And that would link up to the RFTS link and hence uh, enhance transport efficiency across Johor. 
and ease the crossing to the Singapore itself. So uh, because uh, as it is, there are more than 300,000 Malaysians crossing over to Singapore to work every day. And uh, with the improved infrastructure, that would actually improve the uh, overall transport efficiency for these people to cross over. So beyond maintaining or expanding existing facilities, what further investments need to be made on the transportation infrastructure to improve our services? At this point, I think the RTS link would actually um, serve the purpose in terms of linking up uh, Johor Bahru to Singapore. Uh, because as it is, uh, we have uh, we have this Gamas Johor Bahru uh, double tracking that's completing soon. And that would actually link uh, Joe, uh, Singapore all the way up to Neon Hatya in uh, Thailand, uh, eventually with this uh, north-south rail link. And for Johor Bahru, in terms of additional crossing, uh, it would improve as well if the government go ahead with the Kuala Lumpur-Singapore high-speed rail project, because likely there will be a transit train between Iskandar Putri and Jurong East linking up uh, through the high-speed rail. But uh, funding it, it will be a challenge uh, because at this point, you are talking, talking about a uh, private sector uh, basically developing this high-speed rail. Uh, but I believe it will require a bit more of a public-private partnership where the both uh, Malaysia and Singapore governments may need to partly subsidize it to make it work. Indeed, and it's definitely something we need to look out for. On the property show this morning is Long Chi Wei, Senior Associate Director, Equity Research, Afin Huang Investment Bank. When we come back from the break, Johor property prices, immigration congestion, and Singaporeans. This is BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the property show where we have Long Chi Wei, Senior Associate Director, Afin Huang Investment Bank. Before the break, we look at Forest City, attracting foreign direct investments and transportation infrastructure. Now, Chiwei, Johor Bahru has been a laggard compared to Klang Valley and Penang for many years. But in the recent quarter two NAPIC data, are we seeing Johor property prices and rentals reversing this trend and catching up with the other cities? At this point, in terms of property prices, uh, overall for Malaysia, uh, it has been quite flattish. Uh, if you look at the housing price index, you're just comparing Johor, it was at 0.3% year on year in the second quarter. Uh, in Klang Valley, maybe slightly higher, 0.4% up year-on-year, year, whereas in Penang, it's actually declining by 2.5% year-on-year. So I think quite a muted uh, recovery at this point in terms of housing prices. Uh, but I think in terms of rentals, we have seen a recovery for more of the uh, uh, maybe commercial retail malls, uh, uh, maybe slightly uh, in, uh, pick up in terms of like commercial properties like offices. Um, but I think uh, overall, it's still quite muted. Uh, but one thing in Johor, though, there has been a huge um, jump in demand for industrial properties, and that uh, seems to be continuing. I think a lot of uh, multinational companies, uh, because of trade diversion, for example, uh, ongoing due to the US-China trade war, and uh, Johor is actually benefiting in terms of some of this uh, setting up of new industrial properties. Uh, overall, I think the market for high-rise properties uh, remain weak due to the oversupply uh, of service apartments and condominiums in Johor. But I think for landed properties, uh, there's still demand if it's uh, in the affordable range. So if we look at the NAPIC data, basically for quarter one and quarter two, it's been kind of low and flat and rather disappointing. 
Do you expect a rebound for the second half of 2023 or do you expect this sluggishness to continue for the rest of the year? I believe it will be a slow recovery, uh, but uh, now that we have cleared the political uncertainties, um, I think we need to see the strengthening of the ringgit to boost up confidence in terms of uh, investments, uh, to, to, uh, more on uh, investments in properties at this point. Uh, so given that uh, you know interest rates have stabilized uh, on maybe near peaking as well, that would provide some confidence. Uh, so I do expect a recovery in terms of property prices, but I think it would still be a low single-digit kind of a recovery at this point. Right. Now, every weekend, we hear of massive traffic congestion at the customs and immigration checkpoints in Johor and Singapore. Now, what can the government of both sides do to improve the situation, obviously elevate the congestion, the pain that people go through every weekend? I think one thing you can do is perhaps uh, expand the eligibility for Malaysians uh, in terms of uh, participating in Singapore's uh, frequent traveller program where uh, you don't need to charge your passport and can clear the cust- uh, immigration uh, quickly uh, through automated lanes uh, at the immigration checkpoints. Um, I think uh, the RT le- RTS link uh, would actually improve things as well to reduce the traffic on the causeway because uh, then uh, people can take the railway and clear the uh, immigration uh, at just a single station or checkpoint. Uh, for example, like at the Bukit Chagar uh, new uh, immigration uh, customs and quarantine center to be built uh, under this RTS link, both uh, Malaysia and Singapore's immigration can be cleared at that station. And once you cross over, you can just hop onto the MRT in Singapore. So you yeah. mentioned about Singapore's frequent travel. So I want to ask your opinion on our own Malaysia My Second Home program. What policies, rules and regulations need to be relaxed to encourage more foreign buyers into Johor and obviously notably from the Singaporean side? I think for this, uh, it needs to perhaps look at reducing requirements for this uh, uh, Malaysia My Second Home or MM2H program. Because uh, I think it's just... Uh, a year or two ago, they actually increased the requirement and it became more restrictive for uh, foreigners to, to actually participate in this program. Uh, well, I understand that uh, for uh, more than 35-year-old who foreigner who wants to participate in this program, they will need a 1.5 million ringgit of liquid assets and 1 million ringgit in fixed deposits. And on top of that, you need to have 40,000 ringgit uh, offshore monthly income. So that's quite high for the type of uh, uh, basically foreigners we are trying that we are attracting may need the middle income Asians, for example, they are seeking more affordable education for, for their children or basically uh, for retirees, they are looking for a more affordable uh, area to stay in or country to stay in. So I think uh, they may need to be looked at the reducing those requirements maybe back to uh, the previous uh, requirements that were less restrictive. And for Singaporeans, I think uh, what they need is the reassurance uh, in terms of like the security issues um, that uh, in the past, whether it's perception or not, uh, yeah, in Johor. Um, the weak ringgit against the Singapore dollar has also got to help because Malaysia has a cheaper cost of living, healthcare and education. Um, and you did mention about Confidence, you know, Singaporeans' confidence in the Johor Bahru market in terms of security and stability. But do you think there's an inflection point eventually where the cost of living in Singapore gets so high 
that the Singaporeans will be able to come over to the outside of the border? I believe uh, there would be an attraction in terms of like uh, lower price of properties because, uh, the, for example, if you buy a HDB flat in Singapore, uh, you can actually buy, you know, landed property, maybe a terrace or even a semi-D in Johor for the same price. So I think in that way, uh, that attraction is there, but uh, it really requires uh, better marketing in terms of the products. Uh, also, maybe uh, more of this uh, aid and guided communities to attract the Singapore, Singaporeans to come in. Uh, but at this point, uh, because of the um, uh, traveling issues between the two countries, then it doesn't make sense at the moment for some of these Singaporeans to stay in uh, Johor or Johor Bahru or, or this kind of putri for that uh, matter to travel uh, to Singapore to work, for example. So uh, until we improve the uh, transport connectivity between the two countries, it will be difficult to do despite the um, difference in differential in prices for properties. Yeah, because I think right now, a, a HDB flat in Singapore can be transacted for about 1.3 million Sing dollars. That's like almost 4 million ringgit that you can bring over the border. So how are Malaysian property developers actually leveraging on this particular opportunity and building the right kind of community environment to attract the Singaporeans over? I believe they are doing a good job. Uh, the likes of your Echo World, uh, UM Sunrise, uh, they have been developing a lot of these uh, gated and guarded communities, uh, but maybe it, it may take uh, some uh, education on uh, marketing to attract the Singaporeans to, to be more comfortable and stay in landed homes uh, versus uh, they have been used to stay in high-rise in Singapore and uh, still be reassured that security is tight enough and uh, safe enough for them to stay in Johor, even if it's uh, landed or high-rise properties. Now, these are still early days. I think maybe more hype than substance, but which Malaysian property developers do you think will stand to benefit the most from this Johor boom? I believe uh, like Masing, Eco World, UM Sunrise, Sunway, to a certain extent, is kind of what's wrong front city to have the land bank, right? Uh, so they would likely benefit from this uh, stronger demand from um, MNCs to set up in industrial properties in Johor, for example, or even uh, a rise in uh, residential property demand. Uh, the other one is, of course, the AME Elite Consortium, as well as Ecoworld for industrial properties, uh, because they have established uh, business parks, including uh, even gated and guarded kind of business parks, uh, which uh, can house industrial properties that provide even uh, condo-like facilities, as well as uh, security. And that is uh, attractive for a lot of these MNCs. Now, with budget 2024 around the corner, are you expecting any incentives from the government with regards to the property sector? For me, uh, I think uh, it's more likely there will be an extension of existing incentives. For example, like a IMILICI incentive, there's a pool of partial stamp duty waivers for first-time home buyers. For example, if uh, you buy property below 5,000 ringgit, you are given 100% uh, stamp duty exemption until end 2025. However, if you buy a property that's uh, between 5,000 ringgit to a million ringgit, you only get a 75% uh, stamp duty waiver, but that is only for 
transactions up to end of this year. So, I mean, you could see an extension uh, up to 2025 to uh, synchronize with the properties below 500,000 ringgit. Uh, but at this moment, it's still uh, in most other property developers' uh, wish list. And whether it comes to fusion, it depends on the government. I suppose we'll find out shortly. Chiwei, thank you very much for your time and insights. On the property show was Long Chiwei, Senior Associate Director, Afin Huang Investment Bank. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.